to me. Five, St. Paul, Minnesota. We're the days you know. This is day. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to. But we both know I can't do nothing at all. episode that we've been able to talk about in an actual Minnesota soccer game uh, in over four goddamn months. So that's Woo-hoo. great. Um, and it was a hell of a game. We'll get to that in a second. But first, uh, how was your guys' weekends? It's good. It was good. great. I it's watched a fun. lot of soccer. Yeah, for once. Yeah. Lots of soccer. Lots of soccer. Some of it was even good. Uh, mm-hmm. Got out and got a hike in northern Minnesota. So can't... Uh, can't hate on that too much. I went to the beach. Something, oh, yeah. I, something I tend not to do because I am very fair-skinned. <laughs> and, uh, but it went really well. That's good. Yeah, you're uh, you're practically translucent, Bill. So yes. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a it was a fun weekend. Um, yeah, the wife and I got a little bit too drunk yesterday watching the soccer match. Um, Went to uh, Taste of Rondo uh, uh, yesterday evening as well. Um, Got to check that out. Food was great. Uh, Service is a little spotty. Um, They're just—it's a family restaurant. You can definitely tell it's a family restaurant, and like you know, nobody has really worked in restaurants before. So, but otherwise, do highly recommend it. I would say maybe wait a—you know—wait a month or so to like kind of get their uh, get everything figured out, and then then head back. So, but it's very good. Food is food is delicious. Or go now so that when you go a month from now, you can appreciate how things have improved. That's, that's true. Um, the, I, had a, I made the mistake of ordering a, a Manhattan, and it was... <clears throat> At a family good. restaurant? What's that? Yeah, and, uh, and uh, they, she poured grenadine into it. I was watching her make it, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to drink that. <laughs> so I had like two sips of it, <clears throat> and then gave it to Anna. Um, yeah, so that was that was fun. Good times. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about uh, my uh, my dinner last night. We're here to talk about some actual actual soccer. Um, before we do that, if you guys are uh, not a Patreon, please consider consider subscribing um, to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Um, as I mentioned, we uh, we have been chatting with uh, Christian. We're going to hopefully try and find a way to do some socially distant beer handoff here sometime, pro- hopefully in August. So you got about a month to uh, to get to get caught up on the Patreon side. Um, the other thing, uh, Substack newsletter. Um, I just sent out a new newsletter yesterday, I believe. Yes, yesterday. Uh, the Dave's I know. Substack.com. If you want to subscribe to that, um, like some pretty decent writing for all things considered. So um, give those a give those a, a visit. And also Heathout.com. If you have any suggestions for what we should, what kind of content we should put on heathout.com, uh, hit us up as well. All right. You guys ready to talk about some soccer? Yes. Do it. All right. Is that what we're here for? So, yeah. So let's start off talking about soccer by talking about financial fair play. <laughs> everyone's, <laughs> favorite, everyone's favorite topic. When you, when you mentioned UEFA, <laughs> some people think uh, 
the Euro International Tournament, something of UEFA Champions League. No, we're going to talk about financial fair play. Yeah. So big news today. Um, Man City was was banned uh, for two years from Champions League or from any comp- any European competition due to uh, there were some soccer leaks that came out about their you know sponsorship is uh, sponsorship so- uh, sorry sponsorship dealings things like that overvaluing their sponsorships um, to try and skirt the rules of uh, financial fair play. Um, we're not gonna <clears throat> we're not gonna spend a ton of time talking about that. The basic big the big takeaway is that uh, they went to the court of arbitration for sport in Switzerland to uh, appeal that ruling. The court, the three person court found that, um, that they, well, they basically, they were either um, not correct. UEFA was either not correct or they were time barred. So that they, you know, basically, basically statute of limitations had run out on them. Um, and so they, uh, they rescinded the ban. Um, they still, still, and there was about a $30 million uh, fine that uh, Man City was leveled to. They reduced that by about two thirds to about $10 million American. Um, and uh, and Champ- Champions League is back on the table for Man City. So you guys have any quick thoughts about, about the news today? The 10, the 10 million euro fine is really like a slap on the wrist for a team that an ownership that that's, that is that rich. Uh, it just, t- to me, is a slap in the face to what financial fair play is supposed to accomplish. Yeah. My guess, my guess is they showed up uh, in Switzerland with three white envelopes uh, full of cash for the three judges, um, which is usually the way FIFA and uh, UEFA works. That's fair. Yeah. And the court of operation for sport. Yeah. Yeah. Which is functionally like the same pool of people that they pick from. So not surprising that all these guys probably knew each other. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see what the implications of this are long-term because FFP was relevant. It was something teams were thinking about. I know teams were really upset when the Manchester City stuff came out or at least pretended to be. So now that pretty egregious violations are clearly not going to be punished, why would you pay attention to the rules? If you're Manchester United, if you're Chelsea, like, go ham. It clearly doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, bigger implications in terms of uh, Europe, European qualifying spots in the English Premier League. Um, there was sort of this <clears throat> lingering thought that <clears throat> there might be an extra Champions League spot available because of City not being there. <clears throat> they can go. Um, that is not the case. So it's only top four, make it Champions League. Uh, and then up to the seventh place, depending on if Arsenal does not win the uh, FA Cup, <clears throat> um, which means that there's uh, going to be probably one less uh, – English team in the, in the Europe, Europe, Europa League. Um, I think that's a spot that's currently it's Tottenham is one, one level below um, <clears throat> just ahead of Arsenal. So I'm interested to see um, how things will shape up for the, you know, the last three, uh, last three match days for, uh, for the EPL. Um, right on. All right. Um, speaking of the EPL, um, MJ, you want to tell us the the twelve year old who was arrested for being a racist? Oh, um, so there's Wilfried Zaha of of Crystal Palace. He was on Instagram, and this twelve year old called him a bunch of racist things that I will not uh, repeat. You can you can find them uh, online pretty easily. What he said, and 
well, it's not the uh, most racist thing I've been called, or and it probably isn't the most racist thing Wilfried Zaha got called. Um, what is interesting to me is that the Premier League worked with Instagram to track this boy down. Uh, Crystal Palace was were about to play Aston Villa, uh, which is in the county of West Midlands, and uh, so they found in a in a small town about uh, you know ten or fifteen miles southeast of Birmingham, where where Aston Villa play, where this boy lived, and the police arrested him and uh, probably had a little talking to him, and then the police released him. Uh, but I think Zaha said it best when he said, uh, quote, I want to thank everyone for the love and support, but enough is enough. It is not enough to be disgusted by these messages that I received and then move on. It isn't enough to just say hashtag no to racism. We need action. We need education. Things need to change. And I think that emphasizes some of the language we've already talked about on this podcast about don't just be not racist, you know, be anti-racist and understand what that means and understand how systems of oppression work and, and work to dismantle those systems of oppression. Yep, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, so Callum Williams, who's a, obviously the Loons broadcaster, is from that area. Not the town where the kid was from, but like pretty close. And <clears throat> when, uh, when it came out that the exact town the kid was under, he was talking to somebody else on Twitter and basically said, yeah, if you know the area, you're not going to be all that surprised that somebody busted this out. So I'm always a little bit, I know education is a big part of, of helping people become anti-racist, but I'm always a little bit skeptical of that as an excuse. Like, oh, well, the boy just needs to be educated. Like, you're 12, man. You you should know better than to use most of those words. Because um, despite MJ's disclaimer of there are worse words out there, there definitely are. These were very racist. This is not on the borderline. Like, he was very clearly racist. Oh, yeah. So. I <laughs> But, uh, like, if, if this really is something where it's, like, a town-wide problem or an area-wide problem, maybe education really is the best bet at this point. But it's just a shame. And, and you, you got to feel terrible for Wilfred Zaha waking up to this, dealing with it, and then having to go play a game. Like, that just sucks, and you really shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Yep. I'm paraphrasing Zaha here, but another point he, he made, which I think was really important, that – this isn't the first time this has happened to him on social media. And this isn't the first time or that other players have also had interactions like this on social media. And we've certainly heard other stories from, from the UK about this sort of shit happening. Bill was talking about people in the, in the um, Wright Phillips family, you know, and the shit they've had to deal with, you know, and, this isn't a United States problem, you know, and nor, nor is this just a uh, England problem. You know, th this is the problem of finding an other to blame and to oppress and to belittle this is a, is a worldwide problem. Yeah. I mean, the, these, the athletes that are standing up are, you know, they, they realize that more people have their back than don't. 
and uh, that needs to happen more and more. It needs to happen in countries like Italy. It needs to happen in Greece. It needs to happen, you know, all over the world. The thing that struck me is that the Premier League was like, this is a problem we need to at least mm-hmm. do something about, and then reached out to Instagram to try to identify who this person was, not using social media as, as a sort of uh, method of being anonymous. Yep. Can, you, can you imagine MLS or the NFL or the NBA you know, going to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and advocating? I mean, even in today's climate, even, even in the post-George Floyd climate, saying, hey, who is it who said this? We need to find this person and call, call the, lo- the local law enforcement. Let's have him arrested. Like, I don't think they can. I think this is a, a difference in national law. Yeah. Um, because none of the, there weren't specific threats. Like, I'm yeah. going to break into the stadium at this time and place, and I'm going to kill you. If the kid had done that, even in the U.S., then the team might have had a leg to stand on. But I, I don't think they can. So right. it's not a question of will. I think it's a question of legality. Yeah, yeah. and uh, thank you, Dan, for explaining that. Let's, uh, let's move on. <clears throat> There's a few matches that happened this week, um, over the week. Uh, as, um, Sheffield had uh, two huge victories over Wolves and Chelsea. Um, jumping up to seventh place. Uh, Liverpool's um, record-breaking home form is finally was finally broken by Burnley with a 1-1 draw. Um, Liverpool had won 24 straight home matches in the EPL. Um, and, uh, uh, but Burnley um, came to play on Saturday and actually had a, the J. Rodriguez strike was a hell of a strike for, for Burnley. So um, Liverpool had a bunch of chances. They should have put it away earlier, but they didn't. So uh, their perfect season at home ends 1-1. Uh, let's see. Tottenham and Arsenal both had midweek draws um, before playing yesterday in the North London Derby. And, uh, Dan, do you want to tell us how uh, how the match went yesterday? Sure don't. Okay. <laughs> it was it was terrible. Like, honestly, I, I'm obviously disappointed Arsenal lost. But even above and beyond that, both teams just looked terrible. It was fatigue. Arsenal had no mental fortitude in the game. They The passing was sloppy. If either team had won – I think you kind of shrug and go, yeah, that feels about right. If they'd drawn, that feels about right. If they'd engaged in a massive recreation of a Roman-era battle, yeah, that would have felt right about too. It was closer to that than a soccer game anyway. So the yeah. less said about the game, the better, sure. and not even just because my team lost. <laughs> no, it was a pretty, it was a pretty bad game. Uh, speaking of pretty bad, Norwich uh, lost twice and is officially relegated, which is sad to see. I, I really like Norwich City. Um, and then, uh, speaking of what teams that were in the re- what relegation zone, Watford, <clears throat> with two big wins, they beat Norwich and Newcastle. Um, and so now, uh, as I mentioned before, there's, you know, Liverpool City, Chelsea, Leicester, Man U, Wolves, and Sheffield are all right there, um, first top seven, with uh, Spurs and Arsenal right behind them, um, at 52 points and 50 points, respectively. Um, down at the bottom, uh, New- as I said, Norwich is relegated officially. <clears throat> Uh, Aston Villa and Bournemouth um, are sitting in 18th and 19th. Uh, Bournemouth on 31 points and Aston Villa on 30 points with uh, Watford and West Ham both on 34 points. So um, lots to play for still. Um, like I said, there's three more match days left. And then, uh, and then the EPL season will be done. So um, you guys have anything else you want to add for uh, English soccer? 
On the relegation guys... side, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion are at 36, not that far from uh, Watford and West Ham at, at 34. And and I believe that mathematically they are not out of out of the weeds yet. Nope, there's three matches left, so nine points available. Um, so yeah, they're uh, one win and they should be good. But um, yeah, but even they don't even probably need to win. I think 36 points is gonna is gonna keep you up this year. So um, Bournemouth and Aston Villa look really bad <laughs> recently. Although, did you watch the uh, the Bournemouth game against Leicester? I saw bits and pieces of it. It was that uh, game was absolutely off the wall. Leicester completely dominates the first half, dominates yeah. the first part of the second half. Uh, Cash Michael goes to take a goal kick in like the 60th, 61st, something around there. Hits his own player. The Bournemouth striker, I think it was Callum Williams, goes to take a shot and Didi fouls him. Yellow card penalty. So the game is square 1-1. From that point on, Leicester melted down to the point that they could have been delicious with chips. Like... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely out of control three minutes later they give up a slop second goal that goes underneath Casper Schmeichel which in and of itself is remarkable and then while while Callum Williams goes to take the ball out of the net Soyuncu who's been great this season kicks out at him gets the red card which is a hundred percent deserved although he seems to think not <laughs> they restart it uh Dom Solanke scores not just his first EPL goal, but his first two EPL goals. Bournemouth wins this game 4-1, having been completely outplayed for the first 60 minutes of the match. And I don't think I've ever seen a team melt down like Leicester did. And it's not as though they don't have things to play for. If they keep playing this badly, and now they don't have one of their, their star center backs, they'll be in Europa instead of Champions League next year. So right. really, just just a bafflingly bad performance and incredibly fun to watch if you didn't if you weren't cheering for Leicester well on that were, were, were any of these anti-Leicester feelings have anything to do with the 1-1 draw against Arsenal Dan? no I <laughs> really not Arsenal didn't play particularly well in that game uh, they got a red card from Eddie Nketiah who which was totally deserved and just it was a badly timed tackle. He didn't mean anything by it. Nobody got hurt. But so it's kind of one of those, ah, crap, that's a red card, isn't it, moments. Um, no, honestly, I have a bigger problem with VAR in that game, which called an Arsenal offside and a Leicester goal that were the exact same amount offside, which is to say negligible and both goals should have counted. This is a theme that will come up later. Let's move yeah. on. VAR <laughs> yeah. shadowing. Yeah, VAR was weird this weekend, um, both in Europe and uh, here at home. So, um, lots, of guys, lots of games coming up midweek. Um, uh, yeah, so Everton, Aston Villa play on uh, Wednesday. Uh, West Ham, Watford, and Norwich Burnley are on uh, Thursday. So, or sorry, West Ham United is on Wednesday. No, Thursday, and then Norwich and Burnley is on Friday. So, lots to play for still. Um, MJ, why don't you tell us about uh, K-League real quick? Uh it is we are halfway through the home and away portion one third away through the entire season so everyone has played everyone once uh pohan steel in the in the mid-table battle pohan steelers uh drew 1-1 versus suwon blue wings table toppers jungbook hyundai with the shocker 2-2 against uh mid-tabling Xiongnam. Uh, actually, lower table. That's first place versus 11th place. And Jungbyuk Hyundai was at home, granted without fans, but 
2-2 with a result. And that left things open for just one point behind Ulsan Hyundai. And they played Daegu and uh, beat Daegu away 3-1. So the table uh, halfway through is Ulsan Hyundai in second place, jumps into the lead at 26 points. Yunduk Hyundai, Bill's team, is at 25 Sangju Sangmu at 21, Pohang Steelers at 20, uh, Daegu is at 19, and then uh, Gangwon is at 14. And just uh, tied at 14 is Busan, Epoch. But uh, even though they are ahead on goal differential, Busan, Epoch uh, is behind because the 14 points that they have uh, is mostly due to draws, not wins. Cool. Um, speaking of, uh, well, it's not, that's not a really good transition. I don't know why I even tried that, guys. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Could not stick the landing, Bob. Yeah, right. Uh, NWSL Challenge Cup, um, as we record, uh, the game will be kicking off. The last game of the um, group stage will be kicking off in about uh, an hour, or a little over an hour from now. Um, Sky Blue and North Carolina Courage. Um, North Carolina Courage have locked up the number one seed. Um, but there are some um, very good games with uh, the NWSL tournament um, this week. Uh, anything stand out for, for either of you guys? Chicago won. Hey! Finally! Finally. They finally scored a goal. Yeah. Um, Sky Blue finally scored a goal against a, a very potent uh, Houston Dash team that was looking uh, – I'm blanking on names right now, but uh, – you know, uh, Shea Groom and Mewis, Sam Mewis. No, Sam Mewis, uh, plays for Courage. So, no, wait, Sam Mewis's sister, uh, Christy Mewis. She doesn't play for Houston, does she? I think so. Okay, anyhow, anywho, yeah. like Houston that's been racking up goals left and right, uh you know, play Sky Blue. Sky Blue holds Houston to a clean sheet, gets two goals of their own. They hadn't scored the entire tournament. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that Sky Blue defense has been really, really good. And uh, if they win, if they win tonight, they will be, uh, they will be in second place. Right now it's currently the, the, the North Carolina Courage have locked up first, as I said, uh, the Spirits, Washington Spirit, Bill's team, um, not from Seattle, uh, are currently sitting in second place with on seven points. Uh, O.L. Reign, um, the team that Bill, I think, was trying to pick, is in third place with five points. Uh, I said Sky Blue, Houston Dash, Utah Royals, and Chicago Red Stars are all tied um, on four points, uh, the difference there being um, golden function for Sky Blue. So as long as Sky Blue um, doesn't lose by more than one, uh, they'll be sitting in fourth place um, going into the knockout rounds. The uh, – Probably the most disappointing one um, is the Portland Thorns. Uh, they were expected to challenge for the tournament. Um, and MJ, I'll let you talk about them. It's like they're currently sitting in eighth place, and they will play the North Carolina Courage in uh, a quarterfinal match, um, a match that a lot of people thought might be a, uh, might be a final. So, MJ, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Portland? Well, the big loss today was that Lindsey Horan had a hip injury, and they think that she can be back for the knockout round against – North Carolina Courage, which would be helpful, but not having her, not having Menji's 
it really hurt the ability for Portland to threaten going forward. And uh, with Tobin Heath also, of course, opting out of this tournament altogether, like several other U.S. women's national team members, it's just not the same Portland Thorns. And I, I don't mean to be bitter about this. It just is a matter of fact with this tournament and the personnel. Um, they played the OL Reign this morning and for 60, 70 minutes, it was all Portland Thorns on possession, but couldn't have anything creative to, to get to the back of the net. And then towards the end, uh, OL Reign looked like they were stringing together some possession and some passes and looked threatening, but it ended in a nil-nil draw. And so the goals have to come from somewhere. And even if Lindsey Horan comes back from her hip injury against North Carolina Courage, they're going to have, they're going to need more. They're going to need something more than Lindsey Horan and Christine Sinclair to find goals and find the back of the net. And because uh, North Carolina, North Carolina is not messing around as, as David well knows. I do. Biggest Courage fan in the world right here. Um, so any other, uh, any other bits and pieces from the NWSL tournament you guys want to talk about? Um, I just want to mention the, the coffee truck thing. I thought it was really cool that the head of the NWSL Players Association and then someone representing the league kind of made a deal because they were saying we need our coffee both in the mornings or post-game having an iced coffee or what else not. And that was a really, when you think about it, a, a very minor, a minor thing, right? You don't think of that as a luxury thing of having, having coffee or having, you know, non-hotel made coffee. And the league brought in a coffee truck for the players. And I thought that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Um, moving along, Minneapolis City news. Um, there was a, a, a board election and... Um, MJ, you want to tell us a little bit about these new uh, Minneapolis City board members? Bill, do, you, do, you, do you want us to say more about this? Just because I think you're a little bit... No, I, I, I'm out of the loop. So, uh, Paul Schmeichel, who was, has been a board member, um, longtime Minneapolis City supporter and Minneapolis citizen, uh, he is re-elected. Uh, he's a CFO. He's worked with businesses of various sizes, as well as nonprofits. Um, and he is credited to helping Minneapolis City modernize their uh, budgeting and finances. So he's been reelected, as well as newcomer Sarah Waterworth, um, currently a federal government employee, has spent two years on the board of TC Jacks, which is Minnesota's first LGBT soccer club for adults. And she is also a U.S. certified U.S. Soccer Federation certified rep, and so um, I believe she's a great addition. And uh, she's also worked with companies of various sizes, and worked in lots of dis different disciplines such as web development and web design, logo design, and things like that. So I'm happy about these. Uh, Bill, do you have any comments? Yeah, other than you know, I know Paul. Um... Every time I've, you know, talked to him in a in a Minneapolis city setting, he's he's really nice guy, um, and he he loves, you know, he loves soccer. You know, and what more do you need to say? You know, he 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 brings it to the team. 
I've, I've met his wife. I've met his children. He brings them to games. Um, super friendly, super yeah. uh, great people person. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other big news out of Minneapolis City was the announcement of their Minneapolis City Futures uh, program. Um, I know I was on the call. MJ, were you on the call last Wednesday? For I did not make it onto the Zoom call. So if you, if you want to talk about that, please go ahead. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll be very brief. If, if you want to learn more information, you can go to their Minneapolis City's website. Um, they have they have some stuff on there. Um, and they also have, I think they recorded the Zoom call as well. So, um, you know, this is actually <clears throat> interesting news, especially with it coming on the heels of Minneapolis or of Minnesota United getting rid of their academy. Um, it, it's not going to be an academy in the tra traditional sense. Um, it's the idea is that they're hoping to identify – um, 40 to 50 or so Twin City soccer players, um, you know, at least 16 years old, um, and, you know, prepping them for playing for um, the college, you know, college so uh, soccer, you know, maybe some amateur, even potentially professional uh, soccer. Um, this isn't going to, this will be sort of a compliment to the current, um, you know, soccer academies that, that exist out there, the Minnesota Thunder Academy and, and the, the salvos and things like that. Um, it's not going to be, you know, it's not really a direct competition. It's going to sort of be a thing that is, you know, in addition to um, teams will play sort of more like intra, like intra squad, um, you know, competitions. Um, 77, the idea is that they can, uh, you know, you can do more with less in that capacity. So you can, you know, in terms of uh, field spaces and things like that. Um, and, 7v7 just means more time on the ball for kids, which is, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues. So, you know, the, the idea is that this could be a potential route for, uh, or a path for kids to, um, you know, break into the Minneapolis city squad, um, but also just gives them a chance to continue playing high level um, soccer, uh, you know, above and beyond their, you know, schools and, um, and their uh, academies it's just it, it, with a different, you know, a different set of, uh, of kids. The idea here too, is that they were, they're working to be as, you know, very, they wanted to sort of match what the soccer playing landscape looks like in Minnesota, um, which is, you know, identifying talent in the, those areas that Minnesota United has just not done a really great job of reaching out to, um, you know, the Somali community, um, East African communities, the, the, um, Hmong population as well as you know Hispanic populations in the in the city. So this isn't going to look like you know um, most I would imagine most soccer uh, academies look like where it's very white. Um, it's the same Shaddock. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be different. So it's it's very interesting. I highly encourage you if you're interested um, to support them. Um, there's different ways to do that. You know, obviously through the club store, you can actually do a uh, straight donation. Um, Minneapolis City is a fi uh, 501c3 nonprofit, so um, everything is tax deductible, um, any specific donations um, to their cause. So um, yeah, Minneapolis City's website to learn more. Um, but I think all, overall, I think it's, this is a really great thing. And especially in light of the news of Minnesota United shuttering their academy, this is just, well, like good, good things to hear, so. Just to add, this is not, going to replace the loss of the Minnesota United Academy system. As David already pointed out, this is ages 16 through 20. So while there's some overlap with, with that, with the Academy system, that they're, they're obviously not trying to be a youth Academy system. They're also 
working with high schools actively to make sure that unlike some academies or leagues around the around the country that do this where if you participate in in a more advanced or additional training it either conflicts or makes you ineligible to play high school soccer they want to make sure that none of the things that they are doing uh makes you ineligible or prevents you from uh playing high school soccer with your friends with your nice. for your for your school so yeah. i think that's really smart and they plan on doing some uh tryouts this early november yep all right with that let's uh take a break um refresh our beers and when we come back we'll talk uh, all things mls in minnesota united you want me to be that type of dude and i won't you be who you like me to but we both All right, and we're back, and we are going to talk MLS. Um, we actually saw some, I guess we could technically call that soccer being played um, <laughs> uh, over the course of the last week or so. Um, but we also had some more COVID news. So uh, as we, um, shortly after we recorded, or you know, not, not shortly, a couple of days later, um, you know, obviously we recorded right after FC Dallas was kicked out of the tournament. Um, Nashville <clears throat> also um, was removed from the tournament. Uh, on Thursday, um, just before their uh, match was supposed to kick off, um, they had ended up being with nine players testing positive. Um, the one thing that I just started realizing with COVID and, and everything is that all these players are still down in Orlando, like mm -hmm. uh, isolated in Orlando. That just fucking sucks that they can't leave. Um, you stuck there, you you know potentially have COVID or you don't have COVID and you have to stay hanging out in godforsaken Orlando, um, you know, basically pretty much kept keeping to your own room. So that is, uh, that is just really shitty. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I would have the, uh, I would have like every uh, game console delivered to my room. I would, uh, you know, just anything I could get entertainment wise delivered to me. And the, and the coffee truck delivered to me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so the, but there has been some soccer matches. Um, there anything in particular, uh, stand out that you guys want to talk about before we get to Minnesota uh, United? They just all looked like preseason matches, you know, it is first round. I mean, as to be expected, you know, they hadn't played and, uh, it just, you know, everybody looked slow. The passes were sloppy. Hardly anyone was able to string more than about three passes together. Um, you know, everybody cramped up. Well, I mean, the heat had a lot to do with that, but you know, the last 15 minutes of every match was just, you know, people stretching out cramps. Yeah. On a up Philly and New York city FC both looked pretty good. So of course they were playing each other, which yeah. meant that yeah. NYC FC is really staring down the barrel already, but Philly yeah. in particular looked lively, looked good. So they're definitely one to watch going forward. Yeah. Philly had the, and Philly was the, uh, the early morning game on Thursday, they wore the names of uh, black players, black um, people who were murdered by uh, police. Um, <clears throat> I thought that was really cool because they, they, uh, they kept, they kept their black lives matter warm up shirts on. And they just kept them on. I was like, oh, that's weird. Why are they keeping their shirts on for as long as they are? Then they took their picture with the shirts on. 
And all of a sudden they take their shirts off and turned around and they all had the, the players or the names on, on their backs. And clearly that was not something that MLS knew about. Like they clearly no. um, were doing that without MLS's knowledge. So I think that was a really cool, uh, really powerful statement. Obviously, as you know, we alluded to, you can't, can't be making statements, but right now that is what they can do and that is what they were able to do. So I think it was really cool that they were able to pull that off. Um, it's been great. You know, the opening game, as much as a shit show as it actually was, the seeing everybody, um, all the black players in the league um, out in the field um, for the eight minutes and 46 seconds, um, taking a knee was really, was really powerful and, and very cool. So some of the stuff off the field has been interesting. Um, but yeah, we also, you know, we saw FC Cincinnati is still a shit show. Um, that is, uh, that is not going away anytime soon. So yeah, MJ, what did you, what did you have? The, Toronto DC United game was postponed twice. Once because the flight from Toronto to Orlando was delayed. So it was supposed to be played Friday. It was delayed till Sunday. And then after one player, was it from DC tested positive and then Toronto had a player that was in, had an inconclusive test. Yep. They postponed that so they could get subsequent tests for verification uh, till Monday. And so that game just happened this morning. That game was a goddamn shit show. Um, Toronto was up two nothing playing with 10 men for the last, like almost 30 minutes of the game. And they ended up with a two, two draw against DC United. So playing yeah. against 10 men. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They were, yeah. They were playing up. They had, yeah. Yeah. DC United had, uh, yeah. issues of playing with 10 men later. Yeah. Junior Moreno, um, had, what it, conceivably the stupidest fucking foul I've ever seen. Oh yeah. And half to, like right before halftime, like literally he just, he just needs to wait 30 seconds and he yeah. gets, gets in the locker room. He's got, uh, he's already on a yellow. He just does a stupid tackle, runs right through the uh, back of a guy. Refer- doesn't even hesitate. Pulls out the, pulls out the yellow, pulls out the second and then pulls out the red card. It, just, it was, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. I was like, that's, there's no way this, that just happened, but it, it just happened. So, um, and then, yeah, uh, as Bill alluded to, like, just losing their legs, Toronto, and D.C. United found a way to come back and get a point. Yeah. I, you know, Toronto didn't come down to, to, uh, to Orlando until just the other day, and, uh, and, and D.C., you know, practices in that heat. You know, uh, you know, it's not quite Orlando heat, but, you know, it's close enough. And, uh, you know, it just, it gave them just that little bit of edge, you know, so they had those last 15 minutes of the game, they had that extra push. Another game that featured uh, lost legs was the uh, Montreal New England game, which was a bummer. Oh, yeah. High oh, yeah. For that. But that game totally ran out of steam. But the best part of it happened at the very beginning. And that was Thierry Henry, the league's only black coach, taking hit a knee himself yeah. with a fist up for eight minutes and 46 seconds, which I thought was unexpected. And I thought was really, really powerful considering he's, it's great when the players do it. I don't want to set this in contrast to that at all, but Henri is in a position of a little more power and, and isolated as the only black coach. And he still took the knee, put his fist up. And I just thought that was amazing. This yeah. fitting into my, I think Thierry Henry is an amazing human being and I would like him to be my friend, but even, even setting that aside, it was a very cool gesture. With, yeah, it was, uh, it was what, what what English club did Thierry Henry play for again? He might have played for Arsenal. Yeah, okay. He might have, yep. He just for have. just for a week or two. Yeah, certainly not multiple times. And it was it was great seeing him uh him and, and Bruce Arena, you know, they're both wearing the same t shirt, 
they're both wearing, you know, kind of track pants and tennis shoes and just <laughs> completely different physiques. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, very sure of my sexuality. This is not a prelude to anything, but God, Thierry Henry cuts a yeah. figure. Oh. <laughs> that yeah. would have been a good uh, feature on, uh, on, on heathout.com. Uh, who, who wore it better? <laughs> yeah. a fucking smoke show, man. I'll, I'll tell you, that. I'll give you that. That dude, uh, I like, yeah, very, very secure in my sexuality as well, but I would definitely probably have sex with that man. So, um, Cool. All right. Uh, anything else? Um, as we're as we're recording, obviously LAFC and uh, Houston are playing, and then um, uh, Portland and the um, LA Galaxy play later tonight. So <clears throat> yeah, we haven't had almost every team has played a game. Um, we haven't had everybody play yet. So we still, you know, as kind of alluded to, is the the play was has been kind of cruddy, and you know, everybody's still trying to trying to figure themselves out and get their get their Orlando legs on underneath them. Yeah. I was really surprised at how bad Colorado looked last night. Um, you know, yeah. coming in, so many people thought, you know, our group was, you know, they were calling it the group of death, whatnot. And, you know, they couldn't pick one team from the other. And uh, Colorado just, I don't know, they did not look like the same team who played those first two weeks of the back in, back in March. And Colorado has been the team. Them and Sporting Kansas City were the, the teams that have been training the, together the longest. Yes. Um, which is also surprising. Because, um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but Kansas City did not look super great either yesterday. So um, that's kind of surprising. Um, Seattle is another one that I thought, hey, like they could, they could win this tournament. They're going to look really good. And San Jose gave them everything they could have wanted. And yep. I think they were a little lucky to get out of there with a the draw, if I'm honest. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Well, I was watching that game uh, with my wife and they put the possession stats up there and like San Jose had like 77% of the possession. It's like in the, like late in the first half, I was like, what the, what the fuck? I didn't, you know? And so um, it's uh, San Jose. Yeah. They, they looked, they looked interesting. If they can, especially with this heat, if they can play that way and they can sustain that for 90 plus minutes, you know, they could cause some trouble for some teams. Cause you gotta, um, as we saw last year, um, if when San Jose is playing on, and their styles on, they look really, really good. Um, it can be, it can get carved up real quick as we as Minnesota has shown in the last uh, two years, basically. Um, yeah. If you have the right people and you're willing to go toe to toe with them. Um, and, uh, you know, Seattle looked apart. So I think one of us uh, picked San Jose to go to the knockout rounds. Yeah. I think it was me. Yeah. I did um, too. Oh, yeah. Well, the Atlanta haters out there, the Atlanta New York Red Bulls game, anyone? <laughs> yeah. That the was, game was dire. That was a dog of a match. All right. Yeah. So, but I mean, uh, neither, neither team looked themselves. No. All right. I think that's, I think that's the sort of the, the story of the tournament so far is that no one, no one has really looked great other than Columbus and that's because they're playing FC Cincinnati and FC Cincinnati makes everybody look good um, no matter they're the Minnesota United of the current version of MLS so um, get your you put your best game on when you play FC Cincinnati so <laughs> um, so anything else any other games you want to talk about quick or should we we can dive into Minnesota United let's get to the main event all right let's give the it. people what they want <clears throat> All right, so obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know we are a Minnesota United podcast, and we had an actual uh, soccer match to talk about. 
Um, Minnesota United beat Sporting Kansas City in the uh, literally the, the dying breaths of the game, um, two to one last night. And uh, gentlemen, we'll start with our uh, best moment of the game. MJ, what do you got? So this isn't my best moment of the game, but I'm gonna re categorize this as my biggest surprise or biggest pleasant surprise. That's to, not how this works, buddy. To 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 David's chagrin because he likes uh, his titles. But instead of best moment of the game, my biggest surprise was Aaron Schoenfeld. And when we saw him in the other two games, he comes on for Luis Amaria late in the game, and he just makes smart plays. He's possessing the ball. He's holding the play up. He's dribbling the ball into the corner to waste time because we have leads. And he looks big and lumbering and not in shape and like, what the hell's going on? And like COVID Aaron Schoenfeld looks fast. He, he was fast. He was fit. He, you know, Amaria was out with injury. Toy goes out with injury mid game. He has to step up and he looked like he fit right in. Obviously the chemistry with he and Finley helped, but I was really just excited to see him keep pace. Yeah, he was a he was a good surprise. Um, Bill, what do you got? Well, I, you know, it's 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 lame to do a tie, but I have to do a tie, and it's it's neither one of them are actual plays <laughs> on the field. Uh, the first one is uh, the game changed when when Lud left the field, um, and and Raheem Sterling came in. Raheem uh, Edwards, Raheem <laughs> Sterling. That would be great if we had Raheem Sterling, but Raheem Edwards. Um, it. That that point in the game, I there were there were a lot of changes right then. But um, and then my other favorite moment of the game was seeing Adrian Heath wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. Um, the guy's a conservative. He's a he's a Tory, and I'm sure that pained him to wear that. I'm sure he's an All Lives Matter kind of guy, and uh, that was that was special. Yeah. I wonder if they're gonna if, if they're gonna do that for every game, um, or if it's just for the first round of games. Um, not seeing Inchi with uh, with his uh, you know suit on was a little a little disconcerting. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah. All right, Dan, what do you got? Uh, I will pick a single moment because uh, apparently that's a rebel move at this point. Uh, <laughs> but it was when Kevin Molino got his groove back uh, after being pretty pedestrian for the first. 70 minutes of the game uh Molino picked up the ball in the midfield and went on this mazy run cut across about three defenders and got dispossessed just barely at the top of the box he needed to make one more move and just couldn't quite do it but you could see from that point on there was a fire in his belly and he was pretty determined to make whatever needed to happen happen and from there on out he just tore absolutely tore Kansas City up culminating with the uh, the game winner uh, if we get that Molino for uh, for the rest of this tournament, for the rest of the season, the Loons get a lot tougher to beat. And honestly, that was the player we saw in Portland. It was the player we for sure saw against San Jose. So, yeah. I don't know. In Inchi's postgame comments, he basically said, the last bunch of seasons, Molino's either played for a really bad team, the 17 Loons, uh, or been hurt or recovering the 18 and 19 Loons. So, this will be kind of our chance to really see – Kevin Molino in all his glory, motivated, healthy, and ready to tear it up. 
And plus, if there's a guy who knows how to play in the Orlando Heat, it's the guy who played in the Orlando Heat and who is also from Trinidad and Tobago. So yeah, he'll exactly. have his legs. Yeah, hundred yeah. <clears> percent. <throat> I, I will. I'll. I'll add that. I, I'll just let me. Let me also just sort of like piggyback on that and say um, the the two things that happened right before the Hot Boys goal. Um, that cross by Romain Metnair was absolutely fucking beautiful. And Raheem Edwards um, has just been, you know, he's quietly, I think people kind of forgotten about him for the first couple of games, but he's been really good. And Metnair made that cross all year last year, but we had, we had nobody who could get on, get on to the end of it. Um, and Raheem Edwards was able to pull, you know, pull it back and, and just bring it back across um, to the top of the box for Molino. And his, he, they were, they were in no man's land. They had no, they had no opportunity to do anything there. And um, having Raheem Edwards bombing down uh, that left-hand side um, and being able to get on the, end of the ends of those crosses is going gonna, is gonna to result in a lot more goals and will make Romain Metnier an actual much more effective weapon. We even talk about that he just signed a contract extension. Um, yep. Obviously, they didn't tell us what the terms were. Um, right. So I'm withholding my judgment. I mean, he's like going to be 31 this year. So, you know, I'm hoping that – it was only for maybe two years as opposed to a three or four year extension. Um, but yeah, I would say that that was, uh, that was my best one. Yeah. MJ, do you have something you want to add? Raheem Edwards was such a bright spot in preseason. And I know a lot of people don't pay attention to preseason. They didn't see highlights or what else not, but his ability to go forward and score goals. But the other surprising thing is, Neither Raheem Edwards or or Robin Lud are natural left wings. They're both naturally right wings and play better on the right hand side of the field. And have been shoehorned by Heath in there because we don't have a you know, like Miguel Ibarra isn't a left wing. I mean, we, we can go on on this history. But of the non-left wings we have, and I'm you guys know I'm the biggest uh, Lude stand here, but of the the non left wings we have, it like Raheem Edwards proved his point. Just before the uh, the goal he scored, uh, so within stoppage time, but a little bit before the winner, uh, somebody I think Gasper put an outlet ball up to Raheem Edwards, and that's a, a fairly typical Lude's play. And and Lude's actually fairly good at taking those balls down. He just then gets dispossessed immediately. Instead, Raheem Edwards took the ball down and ran past two defenders. And yes. I went, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's so much fun. Wow, we should have a guy who does that more frequently. Now, granted, it was late in the game, and he had energy, and they were dead tired. It's true. That's a, that, is a, <laughs> and that is an entirely fair caveat to throw on there. But still, I mean, just yeah. watching, watching a winger move past somebody like that. And yeah. I think we should focus on his pass to uh, – to Molino too, because that, like, he didn't just keep the ball in play and it happened to find Molino. I mean, he he took that ball out of the air and put it right at Molino's feet. It was a hell yeah. of an assist. I, I still don't know how he did that assist. Yeah, considering, uh, considering that he was, you know, how he was moving and everything, it, it was a it was a thing of beauty. So yeah, he probably wasn't running at full speed, but he was he was not jogging, you know, and pivoting his hips and looking yeah. back back upfield when it when he kept that in play so he's running at a pretty good pace to me his his eyes are are looking at the the side netting if you will and he's able to direct that ball right at Molino it was so pretty yeah 
Yeah. We we have uh we have this tournament in our hands because if we beat RSL, there's a good chance we're we're in because Toronto's stuck with that backup or not Toronto, Casey's stuck with that backup keeper uh <laughs> for the next game. And uh that that really, really damages, you know, their chances of moving on. And they, you know, I I I doubt Colorado will play as bad as they did in their first match. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit here. Um, yeah. So moving on, what uh, worst moment of the game? I'm just going to go ahead and say, um, you know, seeing the lineup and then, you know, about 10 minutes before the game kicking off, seeing Amaria not in the lineup anymore um, was really disappointing considering how, you know, how good he, he had been in the first couple of games. And it was, I was really excited to see him run at that sporting Kansas city defense. That's got, you know, Zuzi and, Beasler is older than shit. So um, not having, not having him in the lineup, um, you know, really put a damper on the evening. Um, luckily, you know, all for, all for not, but, and we haven't heard anything yet about his, uh, um, the extent of his injury. If it was something, if he just like tweaked a hemi or if it's more, something that's going to be more long-term. So that's my, my Amaria was an, Amaria was an abductor. Um, okay. So we don't know the severity of it yet. So it, this could be a couple week injury. It could be a couple month injury. Just depends on the severity. Um, tough thing about it is blood flow to the area is poor, so it's a slow healer. Um, I could see him coming back on the field. Let's say it's really minor in maybe a week and a half, two weeks, but the explosiveness is going to be gone for a while. It's just not. It's a very uncomfortable injury, even so. if you're technically healthy enough to return to play. Sorry, Bill. I, I stepped on your. Oh, yeah, no worries. I, I I've got you know six or seven of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why don't you go next then? All right, and uh, mine will be uh, Mason Toy. Um, he he was just uh, man. It it just he he had nothing last night. He had he you know if if a player comes into a game with you know four or five objectives that they're gonna. And I have now, now granted he didn't know he was going to be starting. He found out, you know, you, you have a mentality that you come into a game with and, and his wasn't, I'm coming in to start this match. Um, but he, he brought nothing to the match and he, uh, it just, it, it went nowhere and it just, you know, we had nothing, nothing to show for it in our, in our drive, in our offense until he was gone out of the match. Aaron Schoenfeld. That the only thing we had until he left was was Gregus's uh, shot in that first half. Yeah, um, Dan, how about you? Uh, to me, the story of this game was Kansas City's complete lack of finishing in the first half, because there's definitely a version of that game where the Loons go into half down three or four nothing. Uh, Gotti Kinda, who we praised effusively on this podcast a week ago. Just yeah. squandered chance after chance after chance. I think it was the it was early. I think it was like the seventeenth or eighteenth minute. He uh, he took a shot from outside the twenty-two when he could have taken two more dribbles at Tyler Miller and just absolutely sliced the hell out of it. And man, like they looked so wasteful. I thought for sure that we were going to lose that game by multiple goals. And uh, I think it was Brian Corson on Twitter. Said, you know, it's pretty amazing for how well Kansas City's played that they're only uh, they're only up one nil. And I said, yeah, this is definitely the type of game. Being an Arsenal fan, I have seen this game before. Um, 
You've got all the possession. You've got great scoring chances. You don't take them. And the crap team that you've beaten the tar out of for the entire game slips one in in the 83rd or 84th. Yeah, I've definitely seen that game. So I'm a little unsurprised that it happened to Sporting. But shout out to their unbelievably crappy finishing. <laughs> all right, MJ, what do you got? Worst moment of the game for me is, of course, that goal against. And what part? I mean, what part? Every well, part so- of sucks. <laughs> We're going to get to some people nitpicking about Tyler Miller's horrible, like, fake or trying to prevent a cross later. And I'll leave that to the people who want to talk about that. And that was horrible. And that was definitely the worst part. So don't take this for me as that I'm letting Tyler Miller off the hook. But leading up to that point, you had a grant, Jan Gregus, that tries to one-touch the ball middle that got picked off by Polito. And so – Jan Gregus, horrible turnover, had more time to actually dribble the ball into kind of a safe space and then do something with it rather than panic pass it to the middle. And then on top of that, you have Boxall stepping up late. Like he wasn't in position to challenge the ball. He steps up on Polito very, very late, which means now Polito has forward momentum and Boxall has forward momentum, which means Boxall is going to be late getting back, which he was. Then you have Gasper who was already up on the tack trying to cover for Boxall. And rather than just run and just, just run like the Dickens all the way back to Tyler middle, Tyler Miller, and look to see what is coming at you. Like, is it three attackers, two attackers, one attackers? He runs right at the ball. He runs right at the guy that goes by Boxall and completely lets uh, Kyrie Shelton cut in behind him. It was just this horrible defensive discipline. It's just reacting to the ball, see ball, chase ball. That's not a MLS defensive, unless you're FC Cincinnati. That's that's not a good <laughs> defensive habit. So you had up and before Tyler Miller's mistake, you had three horrible mistakes before that. To me, that combined to just being an utter shit show for Minnesota, and that's my worst moment of the game. All right. Yeah. I mean, you said it, you said it pretty well. Um, how about most what the fuck moment? I think, uh, I think Bill, um, Bill, Dan, and, and me probably all have the kind of the, uh, that's kind of our, uh, our most what the fuck moment. So who wants to, who wants to start? Yeah, I've, I, you know, as somebody who uh, has had lots of brain injuries, I, uh, my brain often just stops and, uh, and watching Tyler Miller just, it seemed like his brain shut off for a moment and he had to reboot it and uh, he went one way and had to come back. And he just was like, you know, his instincts didn't carry him the way a goalkeeper's uh, instincts are supposed to kick in. And, uh, and it just, it, it, you know, it was wrong. One thing we know about Tyler Miller from his time at LASC is that he will gamble. I mean, he's a, he's a risk taker. Uh, I think we talked about this with Chris Lindholm actually that uh, he's super aggressive. He's a risk taker. And a lot of times that works, but that was a time where like he was gambling and the offensive player wasn't gambling yet. And it was just like, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to incite him into, into taking a savable shot, but yeah, my, my word, dude. And honestly, it, like that was Tyler Miller's probably honestly one of the worst moments of his career, if we're honest. Uh, 
but he did not have a strong game last night. There were a number of moments where he was unsure coming out for crosses or parried balls that could have been caught. It was, he was pretty solid the first two games. I was excited about having him. And after last night, I'm going, Oh, what's Vito's phone number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's Bobby Shuttleworth's number? (laughs) Yeah. I think it was just uh, uh, don't not not Bobby for sure not Bobby. Um, <clears throat> I I yeah I kind of agree with you that he definitely was trying to get him to cut in, um, and number, that because that would also put him, you know, put some defenders in his path and all that. But you can't, you know, we we give Kansas City shit for all the time for not having strikers, um, but you give a guy like Kiri Shelton uh, time and a a good amount of net to look at, he's going to put that ball on frame more times than he's not. So um, it was just, yeah, brain freeze, um, brain fart, who, you know, just who the, who the hell knows. Um, MJ, you have something a little different for your most what the fuck moment. My what the fuck moment is the Jan Gregus kick that uh, is sidewinding into the box. And you have Matt Beasler that is, arm barring and body up defending Kyrie, Kyrie Shelton in the box. I mean, so Kyrie Shelton, if he's just looking at the ball, which it looks like he is, he's just looking at the ball. He's thinking a loom player is trying to prevent him from getting the ball. And Beasler, who's also looking at the ball, not looking at his teammate is probably thinking some loom player is trying to get this ball. And they both seem to be a little bit distracted by each other. And the end result is, that even though Schoenfeld tries to get a header to deflect on it and misses Schoenfeld's, you know, head and goes off Kyrie Shelton into the net and, you know, call it for tuition, call it luck, call it amazing play by Grey Goose or call it a, a, a fuck up by Kansas City. That's my what the fuck moment right there. It really is all of the above. I feel like we're not going to get to this in any other segments. So let me throw it out here. Jan Gregus put in some dangerous balls. His first cross of the night was a horror show. And everything after that was aggressive and really challenging. Like he forced Kansas City into that mistake. Yeah. Um, also, do you guys have any thoughts on the uh, the VAR uh, situation uh, last night? Oh, boy. Yeah, well, uh, we, we finally got to see what, what uh, the, the ref gets to look at. Uh, that was a real peek into it, and he saw horrible angles. Yeah, um, there's he could not make a good decision based on what he saw. Uh, he could not change his ruling from the original goal based on that. Yeah, that was that was my big takeaway too. Was I mean that looked like Soviet era aerial photography. It looked like he was yeah. trying to figure out yeah. you know what missile sites were yeah. he's going to bomb. Um, but there's just there's not enough detail on those photos to change the call. If he called Molino offside, I'd feel the exact same way. Like, ah, that's a tight call, but you just can't overturn it. Like, yeah. come on, man, that was like eight bit soccer and trying to figure yeah. out whose toe was ahead of whose butt. And yeah, saying, and oh yeah, I can definitely figure it out from here. No, you can't. And, and the lighting in there is so bad that you get four shadows on every person. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh. I mean, they have to do something with 
whether it's VAR or actually fixing the offside rule, um, but there's going to be there's going to be a, a a line, and you know, we just got to figure out if we are trying to encourage more scoring and uh, or discourage scoring. Um, I think we I would tend to err on the side of encouraging scoring. Um, we didn't talk about it in the in the EPL section, but there was a Mamadou uh, so, or uh, um, from Crystal Palace had a uh, a goal ruled out because of a handball when it clearly hit him on the top of his shoulder. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that this weekend as well, but it was, it was just absolutely terrible call. Um, ball hit him. It's, it was like, it was like, you know, basically the ball hit him like a, you know, basically the top of his shoulder and called a handball on that. It's like, how, how is that even possibly a handball? You know? Um, well, didn't it take him like three and a half minutes? To yeah. It also, yeah, also took him forever. If you can't, if you can't figure this out in 45 seconds, um, then, and you need to slow it down and, and, and have, you know, you know, minutia by minutia, you know, um, the tens of seconds click off the, the, you know, the, the, you know, the video while you're calling it, it's not clear and obvious then. And that should be the, the standard, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, all right. All I right. Mean, moving on, um, to our Freddie Adu, uh, star of the game. Um, Bill, who you got? <laughs> Mine is uh, Aha's head. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he took two serious blows to the head, being in the wall last night. Um, that man, that second blow that he took, um, I don't think I would have come back from that one, but uh, <laughs> he did. And the reason he's the it's the Freddie Adu head is because you know Freddie Adu his career didn't last long and if he took more shots like that to the head his career wouldn't last long <laughs> Freddie Adu's career has actually gone on a considerably long amount of time oh, I agree it <laughs> has but is at soccer <laughs> I'm talking his head not his whole uh... <laughs> did you guys see uh, Adrian Heath's quote about Aha's head no he said no. yeah he's a he's a big Uruguayan boy he's got a big head but it's okay they don't have concussions in Uruguay. And like, I was obviously crap. joking, but like. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible joke. Oh uh, that's, that's better than his quote in the, uh, in the newspaper last week about AHA. Or, uh, oh my God, he, he said about him. I'm going to find it. You guys keep talking. I'll find the quote. All right. Uh, Dan, who do you, who's your uh, pretty new star of the game? Uh, it's got to be Kevin Molino. Uh, you know, we've alluded to this a little bit, and I'll mention it again in the next Freddie Adu segment, but so many things happened at once. You had Lude coming off. You had Toy go- going off. You had Schoenfeld coming on. You had the Melia Red. That it's really hard to figure out exactly what the, the catalytic moment of the game was. But whether it was Molino or that he was responding to a change in the energy, he completely changed the team's shape he changed the way that they were attacking um the the big disconnect they had in the first half and the first part of the second was they were defending and they were attacking and there was nothing in between the two so he starts dipping deeper into the midfield picking up the ball dribbling past guys he just he looked like a game changer honestly he looked like a dp10 he looked like the guy that you pay a hell of a lot of money to when the game is on the line just decide no we're not going to lose this game and our DPs, Greg Goosh is fine, but we don't use Chacon. Lude is bad, so it's damn good that we have a player who's going to play at that level, even though we don't pay him at that level. Yeah, 
Um, MJ. It's already been alluded to in other sections, but my star of the game is Raheem Edwards. And again, I, it does not pain me to say this, but I feel like I need to add the context that I've been one of the biggest uh, lewd apologists over the past year in saying that he doesn't get credit enough for doing the right things, but having no teammates around him to pass to. And you saw that again, where he's making the right runs on and off the ball, but with everyone cutting away from him or no one giving him that short pass that he wants. But Raheem Edwards does it better, whether it's a better fit with Gasper and the, the left side of the field, whether it's a better, better fit, whether it's more hustle, whether it fits into Heath's garbage attacking third tactics that he wants to promote of, of crossing and other, other bullshit instead of trying to possess the ball with short passes. Whatever it is, I will admit that Raheem Edwards changed the game. And he was better on the left than Lud, even though neither of them are natural left, left wings. And so that being able to corral that cross from Metinair, keep it inbounds and find Molino so accurately to me, like that, that is the start of the game. Yep. Yeah. The, the thing we don't know about, about Edwards is can he play an entire match? You know, is, is he a starter who can play a long time into a match or is, or is he, you know, just good for us as a sub, you know, some guys are just great subs. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. So it'll be interesting. I mean, the loons play again here in a couple of days and only a few days after that. So it'd be good to see some squad rotation from Inchi. Yeah. Uh, it would have been good to see more than two subs too, but we can't have everything. Oh my God. For. But <laughs> I think, you know, Raheem Edwards with the play he's made and, and MJ's totally right. Preseason, first couple of games, he's been outstanding mm -hmm. for as long as he's worn the Loon's colors. He's earned the right to to show whether he can run for 60, 70 minutes or if he's just going to be that 20 to 30 minute super sub. Yeah. So I, I found that quote about AHA. Okay. So Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press uh, was interviewing Heath uh, last week. And, uh, you know, knowing that Opara wasn't going to, wasn't, you know, didn't make the trip, wasn't going to play, he asked him about uh, AHA. And Heath said, he's on a very good salary for us. He's a great kid. He's played in the league before. He knows what the league is. <laughs> <laughs> that's his quote on him. <laughs> oh, man. That's like, that's like asking, now, you know, what do you think of David Zeller? Yeah, yeah he, he has nice shoes. <laughs> <laughs> he's walked before he knows how to walk um in in his you know, shoes i just um, want to say this though in full context of the history of the loons demodov and Boshin kadri did not have mls experience they did not know what the league is it's true it's true there is something yeah. to be said for knowing what to expect in mls but when that's the nicest thing you can and, say about a guy <laughs> The first one, though, he's on a good salary for us. <laughs> that's, the, that's the quiet part loud in chief. Uh, that, that, that's saying, like, like, MJ is on a good salary for I know. Yeah. We got him cheap. <laughs> uh, you, guys, you guys pretty much covered both Raheem Edwards and Kevin Molino. I would, I, would have, I would lean towards either one of those guys. I just think um, – I think what Dan uh, mentioned earlier, Kevin Molino having played in, in Orlando – um, it could be very well suited to uh, 
to take this tournament by storm and which would be really nice for really nice for Minnesota. Um, all right, let's talk about the uh, next Freddie do for the shittiest player of the game. And um, Dan, why don't you start us off? It breaks my heart to do this because I love him so much, but it's got to be Mason Toy. Um, the, the Loons attack from the time he was in the game was completely disjointed. Um, and it's not necessarily his fault that he wasn't getting any service. Uh, but at the same time, like as a striker, you've got to know if your teammates aren't getting you the ball, you've got to start dropping deeper. And he just, he kept trying. He kept trying to stay isolated up top. And it was just wildly unsuccessful. Um, I'm super bummed. I'm really disappointed he's injured. We have not heard details on his injury yet. Um, because I wanted him, like I wanted him to see playing time and, and to break into this team in a way, because he didn't play in either of the first two games. No. You know, this, was, this was his first appearance of 2020. And then to have it cut short is really disappointing. Um, but man, man, he looked bad in a way that we haven't seen him look bad in years. And that's, that's really disappointing. Yeah. Um, MJ. Well, I've already talked about this, but I want to preface this with that Gasper has shown as a defensive left back, soccer IQ beyond his age, and he's very young. And he has earned, earned the right to start at that position. And also we're not deep at that position, but that said, you know, running towards the ball rather than running straight back at your goalkeeper is an inexperienced thing that he has to learn. And that just, especially when you have uh, Boxall being on the same half of the field as you, you're both on the left side. If you see Boxall step up, you have to get your momentum running back. You can't just run diagonally at the ball um, because that two-on-two immediately turns into a two-on-one and it turns into a two-on-o and uh, with, with Polito and, and Kyrie Shelton. And so hopefully Gasper looks at the tape. He looks at sees what he did wrong. And that, those sorts of behaviors, both by, by him and Boxall, are corrected. Because when you're on that back line, it's tough to choose, like, do I try to keep possession? Do I try to challenge and, and uh, challenge the ball? Or do I drop back? And I feel like, Nine times out of ten, you should drop back. Uh, yeah, Bill. Um, minus Dotson. Um, so my problem with Dotson is the team has him they, – they want him to sit in where Ozzie plays. And he's not a good defensive player. And uh, he really wants to be more where Gregush is playing. He wants to be in on the offensive play. He wants to, you know, he really does. And there's not good communication between him and Gray Goosh and then him and, and the backs. And, uh, and it's just, you, it was very apparent last night. Um, and he was back, he would be backed right up to the center backs a lot. And there would just be no room in there. And it would allow their midfielders to come right in tight and, uh, and, and move the ball around um, it with so easily. It looked like, it looked like basketball, the way they were able to move the ball around, 
you know, looked like I'm moving around the horn, you know, and it was, it, it wasn't good. Um, so yeah, so it was Dotson for me as much as I, I want to like him. Yeah. He's just, he's not, uh, a six in the way that Ozzy's a six. So no, um, another Heath shoehorn in, into <laughs> a position they're not suited for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, I'll throw, I'll throw Miller out there just because of that egregious mistake. Um, could have really hurt them in the end. Um, and also Tim Malia for um, trying to take out, um, <laughs> take out guys. Uh, all right. So let's talk quickly about some other United news. Um, as I mentioned before, um, there was announced that uh, Romain Metnir um, got his contract extension. Again, no, nothing was disclosed about the, the terms or anything like that. Um, so I imagine, you know, he's still probably a TAM level player. Um, clearly not a DP um, that would probably have been announced. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, if, 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 you know, he's got people and, you know, big salary can, can get his head on some crosses. Um, he could be a really dangerous option for us uh, on the right-hand side. Um, so that's great. Uh, we have a couple other watches back on um, Reynoso watch. Um, so it looks like, uh, the most recent offer was $5.2 million uh, for 80%, 80% of uh, Reynoso's uh, rights. Um, you know, this is something that's been, this watch, the watch will never die. Um, but, you know, with the climate in terms of the economy and, and COVID and everything like that, um, it sounds like, uh, you know, juniors might be much more willing to, uh, to sell. Um, I know Heath keeps saying that they're, they just got to, work out a few details, but he says that about everything. And so I kind of take that with a grain of salt. So anything new on, on Reynoso that I've, that I've missed today, guys, I haven't really been on the internet at all. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this deal is, is screwy because of the multiple rights ownership deal that Boca owns some, Tolerius owns some, and uh, a third party owns another segment. So yeah. my hunch is we're, we're finally starting to see a done deal from like two of the three parties. Uh, there was one rumor that, floated around that he'd already agreed to personal terms. So I'm hopeful at this point, uh, whether he signs or not, he won't join the team of Orlando. Uh, it would be for any subsequent MLS action in home parks after the tournament. So, yep. Yep. but Hey, I mean, if you've got him as your actual DP 10, that's, that's a pretty, pretty potent piece to add the attack. So it's, it's an exciting possibility. Yeah. That's, that's tough when your career is a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. And then we have another, we have another uh, potential French uh, player. Um, DiBiase, DiBiase um, not, not to be confused with uh, DiBiase, the uh, million dollar man. DiBiase. Uh, yeah. DiBiase. DiBiase. Not, not, not to be confused with DiBiase, the million dollar man. Um, MJ, did you put these, this in the notes? I did. Okay. You want to talk about him a little bit? Uh, so before I do this, I want to go on a mini rant about, the way European countries talk about uh, multinational, multi-ethnic players. And that is that even though Debasi plays for the, the, the Malian national team, he was born in fucking Paris. He's a French citizen. Yeah. So I will say he's Malian French, just like I say I'm Korean American. I'm not American Korean. So the way the European press or the way that some people always talk about these people is that he's French Malian. And I think that does a discredit to 
multi-ethnic, multi-national, uh, multicultural societies, wherein their primary heritage and where they grew up and what they identify as is French. It's just that he happens to be of Malian descent and he plays for the Malian national team. So uh, he is a Malian French center back. Uh, he sometimes plays left back. Um, he last played for a team that by American linguistics looks like uh, Amiens, but it's pronounced Amiens. And uh, they were recently relegated. So there may be, their players are maybe looking for greener pastures. Um, due to the cancellation of Ligue 1, um, where uh, Amiens sat in the table, they got relegated to Ligue 2. So uh, apparently DC United was interested in uh, Debasi and were trying to trade at one point with Minnesota United for the discovery rights. Uh, but they lost interest due to the pandemic and trying to move players during the pandemic. Um, the last bit I'll say is that uh, a French person that I played broomball with, I asked him, uh, he grew up in uh, uh, Normandy, and I, which is in the northern of France, and Amiens is also in the northern of France. I said, what do you know about uh, Amiens? And he said, uh, not much, cute city, I only remember the cathedral. Cool. <laughs> uh, worth noting, Zeller, you mentioned uh, finances for Boca potentially changing because of the Rona. Uh, that is 100% the case with Amiens in that uh, they were forcibly relegated, which MJ mentioned. They sued League One to stay up uh, and lost that court case about a month ago. Uh, so they, uh, to the extent that they're in a selling mood, I think it's because of their forced relegation and, and not something they're necessarily eager to do. Yeah. One thing that, um, you know, if you're just an American um, MLS fan, um, lots, most contracts um, around Europe and around the rest of the world, quite frankly, have promotion and relegation clauses in them, um, you know, where you, you take pay cuts uh, if you get, your team gets relegated um, and you get bonuses if your team gets promoted. Um, so there, you know, that could be a, a sticking, a sticking point too. Um, you know, player who would would be getting less money in uh, League Two next year um, may want to, as MJ alluded to, find greener pastures. And you know, clearly seen, um, you know, we have that there's been some success with French second division uh, uh, defenders coming into MLS and specifically Minnesota with Romain Metnier. So maybe it's a potential opportunity, uh, which would be great. Uh, all right, what? Uh, not missing anything else, right? No other United news that I know of. Okay. All right. So let's talk about uh, Real Salt Lake. Um, right now, Minnesota United is the favorite um, at plus 120. Uh, RSL is at plus 185, and a draw is plus 270. Uh, Over-under is three goals. Uh, over is uh, minus 115, and under is minus 10, 110. So, um, you know, Minnesota United predicted to win this match. I think, you know, now that – I mean, RSL looked, you know, decent uh, yesterday against Colorado, but, uh, you know, as we mentioned, Colorado looked really bad. So is it Colorado just looking really bad or is RSL actually looking okay? Um, they have one win. Uh, they lost – and they have two draws from their from their opening uh, two matches and then, again, that win last night. So let's start off on the uh, who's good. 
Um, MJ, you want to start us off? Uh, Albert uh, Rusnak from Slovakia, midfielder. All their attack runs through them. He's he's a monster. Yep. Uh, Dan. Ah. Uh. Wow, I completely off turn. I thought, sorry, uh, Demir Krylak, uh, who scored the second goal last night, uh, been around MLS quite a bit. Uh, just a really good poacher on the ball. Um, pretty consistent in possession, uh, but definitely not a guy that you want to leave wide open at the top of the box. Uh, a little bit like Jan Gregorich in the sense that you don't necessarily think of him as their primary scorer, but he can definitely make a team pay if they leave him alone. Yeah. Um, Bill? Um, their center back, Justin Glad. Um, he's always been a decent center back. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's going to be, uh, depending on who starts as our, uh, as our attacker, it's, it's gonna, that'll, that'll be a key one for us. Yeah. Um, I say RSL has, has just has a lot of, they don't have any, like outside of like Rusnak and, um, and, uh, uh, Demir Krylak, they don't really have a, a, a star, but they have a lot of really good pieces. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of really, really good pieces that, that work well together. Um, I'll throw a couple out there. Um, the uh, uh, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota legend, Luke Mulholland, he hasn't played yet this year, um, but he has been very good for RSL in the past. Uh, Justin Miram is another um, really talented Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, attacker that's been just has played in the league for a long time and and just does well and then sort of that sort of the wild card uh Giuseppe Rossi um mm-hmm. the uh Italian American or American Italian however you want to look at it uh is uh, just signed uh the start of this year to come over and play MLS soccer so um all right so moving on who sucks I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out Zach McMath here, not because he's actually that bad. McMath's a pretty average, if slightly below keeper. But the fact that he is not Nick Romando means that he sucks in the context of RSL goalkeepers. That is a fair point. Also, not an OS ten app- application, by the way. <laughs> that, that remains to be seen. I refuse to believe that MacMath wasn't a, uh, an OS application at some point. <laughs> uh, MJ. Uh, I hate to go on the, you know, last week when we asked who sucks and I, I said for Sporting Kansas City, Matt Beasler, I'm going to say his brother, Nick Beasler. <laughs> he subbed in on the 67th minute What in the midfield was, was not effective. Uh, he actually started games earlier this season and was also equally not effective. So I, I hate to hate on the Beasler family. This is nothing personal, just what I observe. It's going to get back to their mom, and she's coming after you. Yeah, I'm sure her mom listens to this podcast regularly. Yeah. Uh, Bill? Uh, I'm going to go with another defender, uh, so hot and cold. Uh, Donnie Toya. Um, he just he didn't look great last night. Um, got, got, got burned a few times. Um, you know, had uh, – but, you know, he didn't look awful either. You know, just kind of average. That was actually uh, – Donnie Toya was, was, was mine as well. Um, you know, he's playing on the left-hand side, and 
I'm just, you know, really looking forward to, uh, you know, to Romain Metonier bombing down the right-hand side and uh, putting some crosses in against RSL. So, um, all right. Uh, moving on. So how should we play um, RSL? Uh, Dan, why don't you go first? You know, it's a little bit hard to tell. They held the ball decently well against Colorado and ended up turning it into two goals. The first of which was pretty sloppy. Take nothing away from Rusnak. It was a nice finish, but it was a little bit of a scramble in the box. I'd love to see United possess in this game. Um, really put the, the focus on young Grey Goosh to move the ball a little bit more effectively. Um, but based on what we saw against Kansas City, I don't know if they have it in them. Uh, so I still think going to three at the back uh, is, is what this team can do best. It gives them a chance to use Dotson a little bit more as a two-way player uh, instead of, to Bill's point, expecting him to sit back in the six, which he's just temperamentally disinclined to do. Um, so I think this is going to be a situation of the Loons having to win either playing a secondary game or winning in spite of themselves, which I think they're capable of doing. But it's, it's hard to say exactly how they should play them when I think both teams are going to look for the other to assert a dominant style and play in a counterattacking mode. Yeah. I'll, I'll just double up on what Dan said. I would like to see them against a team with the speed and makeup of Real Salt Lake, try to possess the ball more and try to look for those short pass, short, easy passes. But even in the sporting Kansas city game, I don't see Minnesota United making those runs uh, in particular uh, other than Molino. I don't, I don't see, and Grant and Gregu sometimes, you know, I don't see their other midfielders coming into the play um, to support that wing who's deep in the corner. I see a center forward running away from the wing. I see midfielders running away from the wing and that wing being stranded. And so if Keith or Fuller or somebody on the coaching staff would stress that we need to support the ball carrier and we need to make, um, you know, cuts in waves, you know, running in towards the ball carrier, cutting out, and then another person cutting in and cutting out, um, not crowding the ball carrier, not preventing them from running, but, you know, supporting them in a way that makes short, easy passes and possession and attacking that possible. Great. But I've watched this team for three plus years now um, and under Keith and they don't do that. So we're back to what is our identity as a team. And that is rope-a-dope. We, we make the team think they are dominant and lull them into a false sense of security. And then we counter the hell out of them. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> That seems That's like much, luck. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much it. Um, I mean, this week it worked. was. It's gotten us three wins, guys. Yeah. To be fair, we didn't we didn't so much rope a dope San Jose as rope a dope them into the first goal and then drub the shit out of them once yeah. they were on the mat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will be interested to see um, if there's you know it, it it's air it's adrian heath so there's of course there's not gonna be squad rotation but like just, um <laughs> should be yeah. some squad rotation um you know you kind of got a, a feel for the guys i mean you know i just put robin lute on the fucking bench give raheem edwards a start and, and see what he can do for 90 minutes if, if he can do it for 90 minutes right 
Um, because I think you know four points will get you out of the group. I think if you if you watch that Colorado Rapids game, I'm not worried about Colorado Rapids. Um, and so I, you know I think we can you know easily count on a minimum a draw there and uh, probably a win. Um, so RSL gives you an opportunity to 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 try a few things, right? Like see see what you got. Give Chacon a start. See what you know. See what that 19 year old you know kid can can do just running for for 90 minutes. Um, but you know, again, it's Adrian Heath. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Bill, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah. Um, you know, the huge, the huge unknown is, uh, will we have, uh, Amaria back and, uh, or toy. And, uh, if not, I'm, I'm a, in favor of not having, uh, Schumfeld start and not having a striker up top and, uh, trying to do something with our midfield. And maybe put Molino up top. Dotson and, uh, at the ten, Molino up top. Yeah, um, and just and, see what. And, and Musa at the six. Yeah. For crying out loud. And, uh, and you know, keep Schoenfeld to bring in later. And just bang, keep... the bangers only attack. Yeah, I can't. I can't see him. You know, playing. You know, like seventy minutes. No. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, who uh, who you got? Uh, MJ, uh, I'm gonna say Minnesota United two one in the in the boringest call ever. Okay, Bill. One one tie. Man. Uh, I'm with I'm with MJ. It's gonna be a two one win. Uh, Bill has highlighted a key element here though, which is we may really not have a, a recognized striker to play in this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Bill. I think it's gonna be a two two draw. Um, I think it's gonna be something like almost even something we, like we saw this morning with the Toronto um, DC game where, you know, whether it's Minnesota or RSL, one team is going to go up two nothing early. And then it's just going to be a, uh, you know, uh, maybe kind of like we had last night, just Minnesota gets a fire lit under their ass and ends up scoring a couple goals to, to secure a point. So. Uh, all right. We're not going to do picks this week just because the schedule is all kinds of screwed up, uh, but we do have yeah. some questions. Um, and we have our friend Grady has a couple. Um, his first question, why does Heath always wait so long to bring on subs? What is the upside to that strategy? Uh, who wants to uh, delve into the uh, the psyche that is Adrian Heath and his refusal to use his substitutes? MJ, you're, you're raising your hand, so you get, the, you get the floor. Here's the thing, Grady. Heath doesn't care about his players. By Heath logic, he spent five years in Orlando, Florida Heat. So what's 90 minutes, right? I mean, the upside, the upside, Heath can hang on to his ideal starting lineup, you know, to prove all the assistant coaches wrong. And the later he makes subs, it minimizes the time that his assistants can prove him wrong. I, so you're arguing there's some Hunger Games shit going on with between him and his assistants. <laughs> sure. I think he's got a number of players that he doesn't have confidence in, you know, whether they're game fit, whether they're going to fit into the system, you know, I think that's, you know, a big issue. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree with that. Uh, we've seen it with Chacon. We've seen it with other players too. Like he'll, he'll freeze guys out. Yep. And I mean, there could be 25 injuries they could be pulling players from the stands and Chacon's still not going to get minutes um, right. so I, I think there is some personality 
issues at play there, uh, which is insanely frustrating. Uh, it does not speak well for his ability to take a young player like Aisha Cohn and mold them into a functional piece for the team to then sell on. Um, I will give him this one piece of the benefit of the doubt. It's a little bit less relevant with five subs, but with three it is relevant, which is I think he is always very wary of using all three subs prior to like the 85th minute and then having a player get injured. Uh, it's a little bit of an old school coaching philosophy, but it's definitely something that we've seen older coaches, Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, that sort of era of coach, doggedly protect that last sub just in case their keeper gets hurt or something like yeah. that. You just, you know, if you make three subs at half, you're essentially daring the other team not to two foot one of your players. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more so it's maybe not as insane in Orlando with, with the heat and, and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they watched all those other games and saw guys pulling up lame in the 86th, 87th minute. And, but to not use them at all, you know, to only use two is, was just bonkers. And that brings us to Grady's next question is, um, is he ever going to use uh, all five subs during this tournament? What is the over-under on the number of games um, that Adrian Heath uses all five subs? I will say the over-under is, let's, let's call it one and a half games that he uses all five subs. I'm banging the under on that one. It's I'm going to take, take the over because if Ozzy comes back, he'll have to sub him out. <laughs> uh, he, he still will only use four. Um, so I, I, I take the under as well. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be the, the ongoing uh, frustration. Right. One of the I many like, ongoing frustrations with Adrian Heath in, in the days I know. I like to be contrary. I know you do. Uh, finally, Mike Olson asks, uh, is it in Chase Gasper's contract that he gets a bonus for each yellow card? Um, <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't have that written in, he needs to fire his agent and get a better one because hot damn, he likes to get yellow cards. And bad ones too. And considering we have all this depth at, at left back, like fucking go for it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has got to get in his ear because in a, in a league play, yeah, okay, Reds aren't great, whatever. In a in a tournament play like this, like you doom the team for three games, man. He just can't do that. And he definitely – there were a couple of times where he, he could have gotten another yellow. Um, I will say this for him. He definitely cleaned up his act after halftime. So I think someone did get in his ear, whether it was Ozzy or Adrian or – Stuker, whoever it was, was like, listen, I'm dumbass. If you pull one more bad challenge, you're yeah. out for the rest of the tournament functionally. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and Heath will put you so – he will bury you under the doghouse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the problem is there's nobody There's nobody behind him, though. So, like no. – yeah. What are you going to – Noah Billingsley's going to start at left back? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if, if Col you know, Coleman's due back uh, the first – first game of the knockout round um will he even be anywhere close to game fit i mean he's apparently been down in in florida training so hopefully yeah, um, I've, I've seen him in the pool yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well um do you guys have anything else uh for the week otherwise we'll uh we'll call her a night are we doing how we're getting through the covid section or no uh no i want to try to keep this under two hours so we should at least shout out the fact that uh, Minnesota United is the last perfect team in MLS. Yeah. Uh, top of the table. 
Top of the table. Who would have seen? Who you? Who would have thought? The Porter Shield. Yeah. Yeah. It would be it would be classic Minnesota sports if Minnesota United has a completely dominant season, wins the Supporters Shield, goes to MLS Cup, wins MLS Cup, maybe, and the fans can't gather to (laughs) celebrate because it's a fucking pandemic. (laughs) Old deal. Yeah. All right. Well, please rate and review our podcast wherever you get it. Uh, DaysIKnow.com, uh, HeathOut.com as well. Uh, you can visit the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Daves I Know, or uh, hit us up for the newsletter, the Daves I Know.substack.com. Uh, you can always find us at TDIKMN. Uh, I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan is at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. And Bill is at Bill underscore McGuire. Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we're talking after another Minnesota victory. Um, so on Friday. And work it out Cause we both know We can't do nothing at all Oh, oh, yeah Oh, 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 we do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Uh, son, son, son.